Well, what a beautiful truth that is. Go ahead and be seated. Welcome everybody to Marin Covenant Church again. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And it is so nice, right? When we're thinking about this sermon series that we're in, um, the ugly within and to wrestle with the deep demons that are inside of us and our flesh that is constantly at war with us to recognize that God's posture towards us is one of this overwhelming, reckless love that will continue to run after us as we try to figure out how to do life. Well, like I said, we are in this series called The Ugly Within. And as we've talked about that there is this, um, the good news, which is that we're saved by Christ and we're adopted into his family. But the bad news is that we have this flesh that's at war within us. And when we give into that flesh, that's called sin. And that sin leads to death and to destruction. And, um, and last week, Pastor Danny, um, I couldn't believe this. I mean, I mean, this is something that I would do, but Pastor Danny brought up The Walking Dead. And, uh, and I thought only young people watch The Walking Dead. Um, I thought it was something that uh, just, you know, Ben and Shelley, who are caring for our young people, watch and were shaped by. And I lived in horror, only to find out that everyone watches The Walking Dead, including Vicki Pennington, who was one of our greeters. I was like, Vicki, not you also. And she's like, I love The Walking Dead. But I, I, I thought it was such an interesting um, illustration because in this idea of the ugly within, we kind of have two different choices, right? We're like the main characters who are wholehearted and are human and full of life, or we're these zombies we've given up. And, uh, and what's interesting is I think many of us end up walking around as zombies. We have, the, 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 we have the, vi- the visual of being humans, of being adults, of making it through our lives. But inside of us, in the core of our being, our hearts are actually withered, maybe even bruised and broken to the point of death. And that happens even in Christian land. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And that really is our challenge. We think of the ugly within that we, we, most of us have found ways to live life, to live a life, to be in a rhythm, to do certain things. And we know how to actually perform our jobs. We know how to perform being around our families. We know how to have conversation at Thanksgiving. But to actually do that in a wholehearted way is the unique thing that we're called to do. And so this morning, we're going to look at um, our final ugly within is cynicism. Gosh, and when Jeff um, assigned all these, I'm like, of course you gave this to me, which in my older life used to be cynicism was my core value. But I'm so thankful that God has overwhelmingly began to change my heart and to tune my heart. But here's what cynicism means. Cynicism means that we have lost faith and we've lost hope and we've lost love. Listen to this that definition. Cynicism, it's an attitude or suspicion where you believe the future is bleak and that people are acting only out of self-interest. And an example of cynicism is when you always think the worst and have a hard time seeing the good in anyone. And I think if you just live life long enough, you've had enough things impact your heart, you've had enough things wound you that you are just done with giving your heart over and you close the vault and you just live your life. Even in a Christian way, we can do Christian things and our hearts can still be hard and far from God. And so I love this passage in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. It says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That is 
I mean, that is our DNA here at Marine Covenant Church. We are people who have a heartfelt devotion towards Christ. We're not just going through the rhythms and rituals of Christianity. We are people who want to be postured, who are giving our hearts fully to God. And therefore, if we're giving our hearts fully to God, we want to give our hearts fully to one another and to our community and to this world that we live in. But if we're going to give our hearts fully to God and to one another, we have to guard our hearts because our hearts are these squishy precious things that are inside of us. We think of hearts right this big muscle, which it is, but the way in which scripture talks about it, it's, it's the squishy, it's the innermost part of our being. And we have to protect that with all of our hearts. And so how do we combat cynicism? How do we defeat cynicism? How do we get over cynicism? Well, usually that means that we have to take a look at our heart and we have to begin to change and trans- transition the things that are impacting our heart and to guard them and to put in new information so that our hearts can be cared for, transformed by Christ. And so the way that we do that is in at the, the same passage in 1 Corinthians, later at the end of that chapter says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so if we want to be people who are wholehearted, wholeheartedly devoted to Christ, wholehearted in our love and affection towards one another and towards the world, then we need to be people who are fully wholehearted in our faith and in our hope and in our love. So first, let's, let's unpack these a little bit. First is faith. And faith is, is, here's just a framing question. Do you actually trust what you profess? And most of the time we, we say we believe this, we say we believe that, but the truth is how we live actually defines and clarifies what we truly believe in. And cynicism impacts our faith because I think what happens is we, have a, we, we put our trust in the wrong things. And even in our ideas of God, we put our trust in a God that's not even the real God. We put our, God, our trust in this flannel graph version of God or in God as like a genie who's going to answer all of our questions or as our best friend or as like an, an you know, or as uh, someone who's just going to answer all of our prayers and make our lives perfect. And so when we put our trust in this version of God and then God doesn't meet us where we want to be met, then all of a sudden it wounds our faith. But the truth is we want to actually put our faith in the real God and the living God and the one true God. And when we do, we are actually ready to live wholeheartedly. When I was in college, I worked at a camp out in Occidental and I goofed off with middle schoolers and high schoolers and it was a ton of fun. But one of the things that I got to do in my job is I got to work on the ropes course. And I don't know if any of you have have ever done a high ropes course. You know, it's where you put on uh, harnesses and belays and you get ropes and you climb up in the tops of trees and you do zip lines and you like climb up to the top of uh, telephone poles and you jump onto uh, trapezes. And uh, it is so alarming. And if you've never done it, it is the scariest thing on the planet because you're, you know, you're scared of heights, you're going to fall and die. And, uh, and, 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 and so I'd be working with these middle schoolers and high schoolers trying to give them encouragement to say, you know, you've got this thing, you're safe, you can climb to the top. And I'm watching everyone be paralyzed in fear. And I used to be paralyzed in fear because it is so scary to be at the treetops, uh, the treetops walking through these obstacles, thinking that you could trip and fall and die. But at some point you realize you're belayed in, you are harnessed in, you have all these security measures and you are so safe. In fact, you're safer in the top of these trees than you would be anywhere else. And by the end of summer, by the end of the summer, my senior year in college, I've been doing this for two and three years and I had no more fear. I would try to like have as the races to go through an obstacle course as fast as possible. I would put the belay in the ways you're not supposed to do it, like on my back and around my shoulders. And I would try to like jump off things and scare the kids and um, it was my last summer, so I, uh, I, I didn't have to come back. But what was interesting is once I realized how the system worked, I trusted the system. 
And I enjoyed the system and I enjoyed running across the trees with all of who I was. And that's the trick. We, we have to understand who is this God that we've put our faith in? Who is this God that we are trusting in? And, uh, and there's so many different pictures, but I love this passage in Colossians because we think of Jesus, especially as we get ready for the Christmas uh, season, we think of baby Jesus, how much we love baby Jesus. But this is the God that we put our faith in. Jesus, he's the son of the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all of creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, is in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And I love that picture of Jesus because a lot of times I think Jesus is postured to make my life perfect, to make my life have no pain, have no suffering. And this picture of Jesus, actually, I am not even part of this story. Jesus is God in the flesh, worthy of all worship and honor. And God, through Jesus, is actually reconciling ourselves, um, reconciling himself to God. I mean, us to God and us to one another. And so the, the, the faith that we have in God is this faith of a, person, of a God who never changes and who's working to reconcile the world to himself. And we get to be partners in that. One of my disciplines that I've, that I've taken on over the last couple of years is reading a psalm a day. And what's interesting is the Psalms, I mean, they're, they're just this emotional bar fest of, you know, really unstable people trying to figure out how to walk with God. I mean, it's, it's and I'm, I like to think, consider myself as emotionally stable, but I read these Psalms, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot going on here. But every single one of these Psalms, almost all of them, they end with recognizing that God is the creator of the universe. He is the king on the throne and he is the one that we are anchored to. He is the one in whom we put our faith. And so if we want to have a true wholehearted faith, we need to recognize that we are putting our faith in the true God, the God who reveals himself in scripture. The second thing is hope. And hope actually is, is recognizing that our, the question is, are we living like we can trust the future? Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And when I think about hope, I think about, am I living in such a way where I understand that the future is taken care of? And when we don't understand what the future is, it is paralyzing. Or if we put our hope in the wrong things and it doesn't work out for us, it crushes our soul. I don't know if any of you are, are fans of the show, The Office, but the very worst episode, and this has actually been proven online apparently, is, this, is the episode of Scott's Tots. And I don't know if you know this episode, but this is the episode where Michael Scott, um, it's been 10 years and he has to go back to this school. And he told this group of third graders that when they graduate from high school, he was going to pay for them to go to college. But the problem was he wasn't as successful as he thought he was going to be. And so he didn't have enough money to pay for them all to go to college. And the whole episode is 30 minutes of just cringe after cringe, watching him have to tell these poor students that he could not pay for them to go to college. And he said he gives them like computer, uh, he gives them like a, like a computer battery or something. It is like the worst episode. 
And it's the worst episode because you, you can identify with that, like this idea of this, we, we all want this hope-filled future. We all want to paint a picture of something incredible down the road. And we kind of just put it out there. But at some point, right, that check comes due. At some point, that has to make itself known. And what's interesting is what I love about The Office is, is they didn't just come up with this, but this was actually a real thing that someone did. In 1981, Eugene Land was this wealthy businessman in New York, and he went to this school in East Harlem, to this under-resourced school full of under-resourced kids, and he actually made that promise for reals. He told these third graders, he said, listen, or they're sixth graders, sorry. He said, listen, if you stay in school, I will help pay for you to go to college. And that's exactly what he did. And he, uh, over uh, this class, where over 30%, I mean, under, only about 30% of the class would graduate. This class, 90% graduated and went on to college. Because there is something that, as genuinely, that is genuinely true, that when there is a true hope, it actually impacts and changes the way we live. Scott's taught is the worst because we know what happens when that hope doesn't come through. But if that hope is in someone or something that is proven to be true, it changes how we live. And I'm not going to lie, during this entire COVID extravaganza, I have like put my hope in all of the false timelines. I thought for sure we'd be back by Easter. I thought for sure we'd be back by June. I thought for sure by Christmas we would be together. And everyone's like, not happening. I just thought they were crazy. And what that means is every single time we push past another threshold, my heart is broken even more, which means I have a harder and harder time trusting that we're going to be back together one day. But what's interesting is if my hope is just us coming back together as Marine Covenant Church in the building all together, well, that's actually a false hope because who knows what the world's even going to look like when that happens? Who knows if people are ever going to feel comfortable coming back together? But what's interesting is as I've recognized, my hope is not in us actually coming back together one day. My hope is that we as Marin Covenant Church, as the people of God, as ambassadors of the Ministry of Reconciliation, that we are going to be people that are going to be postured to bring hope and grace and mercy and restoration to a county in whatever form that looks like. And what's so fun is all of a sudden, instead of thinking this very narrow time frame view of all us being together one day and then being my heart being broken by that, instead, I have this hope that God is actually going to use our church to do incredible things in this county. And I could not be more excited. I could not be more on the edge of my seat. I could not be more passionate in my journal, dreaming and thinking about how are we going to partner with God in whatever creative ways in front of us, just like our children's ministry team is doing with Starry Night. Oh, we can't do it that way? Instead of crying about it, well, what can we do to bless people? And they are going to knock our socks off. And so my hope, what am I going to trust in the future? I don't know exactly what the future is going to look like, but I know that God has an incredible plan and has invited us to be part of it. And lastly is love. And here's the question. Are you postured towards others how God is postured towards you? And that song that Anna led us in earlier, this reckless love, right? God is postured. He's at the edge of his property. He's leaning in. He's running after us. He longs for us to be connected to him, to be part of his family. We are made in the image of God, which means we're made. That squishy heart that we have is made to be connected to other people's squishy hearts. The, the hard part is ever since we've been in fifth grade, our heart has just been crushed by the weird and awful things that us friends do to each other through challenging family systems, through boyfriends and girlfriends, right? Everyone who is just bruised and broken and has the ugly within is just steamrolling our squishy heart over and over and over again. 
like I said in the beginning, cynicism. It's this attitude of suspicion where you end up believing that the future is bleak and that people are only acting out of their self-interests. And we don't want that to be true, but we've been hurt over and over and over again to the point that we would rather trust that to be true, close the vault on our bruised and broken heart and just hope to get through. But that is not the picture that we have in scripture. That is not the posture that we have in scripture. God is oozing love towards us. And God longs for us to ooze love towards one another. This passage in 1 Corinthians, we've been jumping around with this morning, right? Paul just clarifies this really, this passage that many of us know. Starting in verse eight says this, um, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it, does, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. For love never fails. That is God's posture towards us. And that's, God longs for that to be our posture towards one another. I found this picture online of, the, of these two friends. And I just think, this is my dream, right? Wouldn't you just love to have a friend like that? I mean, look at the intimacy and the kindness, right? And what happens is most of our friends, we walk through really hard and challenging things together. It doesn't mean it's all roller coasters in Disneyland. The hard things in life, the challenging things in life, sharing those things with one another is the thing that allows God to connect our heart most fully with one another. And if we have cynicism, if we're cynical people, we never get to have opportunities to have friendships and relationships like that because we're girded up. We're keeping everybody at arm's length all the time. So cynicism is actually the fruit of the ugly within. If we let all these things that we've talked about from anger to coping to godless worry, to sloth, to all the unique sins and brokenness that we didn't even get to talk about that you are wrestling with. If we let those things fully come to fruition, then our heart, the squishy, tender, precious heart that God longs to be connected to gets ruined. And we become these zombies and we become walking um, shells of the people that God longed for us to be. That's what cynicism is. Cynicism is, a, is the, the, the cover of human beings, but inside we're actually spiritually and relationally dead. And so what in the world are we supposed to do with this broken heart? How do we restore the squishy that God, has, um, that God longs for us to be? Well, all month long, we've been doing this practice of reflection and honesty, confession and submission. And we're gonna do that together. And so I just want you to think about your heart and, the, the, and where your heart is right now. And I love this, this picture because this is a tomato. It's a beautiful tomato I just bought this morning. I don't know if you like tomatoes in your salads, right? And you go to the grocery store and you look and you find all the best tomatoes. You never pick the tomatoes on the bottom, right? You, you don't take the ones that are square because they've been in the box. You find the right, perfect tomato. And this is it. It's this precious, precious, good, beautiful tomato. But what happens is with sin and with brokenness, both other people's happening to us and what we do to ourselves, right? When, when we have other people hurt us, and wrong us, this, our squishy heart actually begins to get bruised and broken, right? And it begins to be cracked. Ooh, gross. Oh, geez, it's going everywhere, right? And so what happens is 
This heart that God longs to be squishy and soft, full of receptivity towards one another. That's how God made our hearts to be. Over time, even by sixth grade, right? We know that the world is a brutal place and we are crushed. And if you saw a tomato like this at the grocery store, oh my gosh, I have tomato everywhere. Sorry, Daryl. If you saw a tomato like this at the grocery store, you'd easily walk past it. And you know that if your heart is like this, that if anyone really knew that your heart was like this, you know people would walk past it. And so here's the worst part. No one wants to walk around with their heart like this. And so we come up with a plan B. We find some way to protect our heart. And so we take masking tape like this, right? And we just, oh, it kind of looks like a tomato. All right, look at that. All right, there we go. It's kind of together now. And really this masking tape, all it does is recommend, rep- represent, it's just a shell. It's just the outer shell. It's the calloused outer part of us that's protecting us because we're so tired of being let down by God, let down by one another, let down by ourselves. We're so tired of the squishiness being devastated and crushed. And so the first thing we do when we, when we ask, when we do this reflection, we recognize, we say, God, what is the state of my heart? How bruised am I? And maybe if you're soft-hearted and you have some wounds that are at the top of your surface, right? Oh, that's praise God. If you feel anger and hurt and pain, that's actually a good thing. That means that your heart is still soft and open and God has something to do for you and something to do in you. The challenge for myself and maybe for some of you is I actually don't feel anger and hurt and pain as much as I think I should. But that's because I found some way to protect my heart. I've closed the vault. I've calloused up my heart because I don't like feeling those things. And so as you reflect, maybe for, maybe for you or for me, it's thinking, gosh, my heart is calloused. The vault has been closed. And the squishy heart that God has made me to have towards him and towards one another, I've done everything in my power to make sure that I won't feel disappointment and hurt and pain again. Because maybe that sin, that brokenness, that flesh has taken full root and cynicism is what is fully defining our heart. That takes honest reflection. But no matter our heart, no matter how bruised it is, no matter how broken it is by ourselves or by the world around us, no matter how calloused it is, we come and we gather as the church on Sundays to recognize the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has come not just to forgive our sins, but to exchange our bruised and broken heart. To not just fix it and give us better scotch tape around us. No, but he actually transitions it and transforms it and gives us a brand new heart. He takes our pain, our brokenness upon him. He gives us his righteousness, his wholeness. So when we confess our sin, when we confess our brokenness, when we confess our need, God switches and changes. So we don't need to work hard every day to become less broken. We don't have to work hard every day to be less callous. What we do is we work hard every day to submit more and more of our heart to Christ. I love this past part, this past, um, this, the last thing we do is submission. And I always think of submission is do less bad things less bad things, less bad things, then I will be submitting. But I love the way that Jeff framed this. And if you go on our webpage on Connect on Sundays, there's a discipleship experience that we've been inviting everybody to do. And he explains all these things, but I love the way that Jeff put the the submission. He says, submission, this is putting ourselves back under the lordship of Jesus 
and the spirit who dwells within us. So for me, I think, yes, less bad things, less bad things. But Jeff goes on and says this, this submission looks like asking for God's transforming power, his purity, presence, and perseverance. So our act of humble submission is this, is asking the Lordship of Christ to have power over our entire life for empowerment, healing, change, and restoration. And I hope that you've enjoyed this series of the ugly within as much as we've loved talking about it and wrestling with it as a church because we have a fleshly nature. We have a broken world that is always gonna be crushing in on the, the squishy parts of who we are. But we don't have to try harder to combat the world. We try harder to be connected to Christ. The more that we're connected to Christ, the more we're gonna bear fruit. The more that we bear fruit, we're gonna be identified as people full of faith, full of hope and full of love so that we will be postured to care for this county and the world. Well, as we wrap things up here, we're gonna, the, the band's gonna sing a worship song. And as they do, um, we're actually gonna transition into breakout rooms. Now, Matt Ward, this is where you always wanna go away and, 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 and unclick. Don't leave, Matt, hang in there. All right, we're gonna go to breakout rooms for like eight to 10 minutes. And you're gonna get to share with each other get the state of your heart. How's your tomato? What's the state? How's it doing? If that feels a little too close to ooey gooey, of all things we talked about of, of the, the ugly within, what's resonated with you? What's given you hope? I'm excited to share with each other that we'd be encouraged that we'd be a church full of people who are being transformed by the power and glory of God so that we can give Jesus all the honor and glory. All that. All right, with all that being said, let's stand and worship together.